All right, so uh, we're looking at Mary Magdalene this morning. And uh, to put it very simply, what this text is about is it's about Mary Magdalene's struggle with the reality uh, that Jesus Christ's resurrection brings. Uh, If, in fact, Jesus is alive, what does it do? Well, it changes all of our lives. It changes the world as we know it. uh, And it changes Mary Magdalene's life. And what she's struggling with in this text is she's struggling with the change uh, that Jesus' resurrection brings to her life. Uh, It means that her life is no longer the same. Uh, It means that she cannot go back to her old life, and she's struggling with that. And so this text is about change. Now, none of us like change. Uh, Some of us uh, don't like it more than others. Some of us are very structured, and we don't like any change at all. Uh, But whether we like it or not, change... uh, is incredibly important. Uh, it's incredibly important, and the older you get, the more you realize that change is incredibly important. Uh, you know, when you graduate from high school, you have to change and go to college. When you graduate from college, you have to change and get a job. Uh, change happens when you get married. Change happens when you have kids, and so on. Change is inevitable in life, and change is incredibly hard. Because what does change force us to do? It change. Uh, it forces us to get out of our old habits. Uh, It forces us uh, to get out of the old ways of doing life. Uh, It forces us to change, right? (laughs) And uh, so change is inevitable, but change is uh, very hard. And many of us can remember the drastic changes that happen as we get older and as we grow up. Uh, You know, as as I was uh, thinking through this uh, text, I could could think of uh, one... Uh, very memorable time when I realized that I had to change. And uh, that was when Andrew and I were dating. I had just moved out of my parents' house, and I moved in with a college buddy of mine, and we were celebrating our independence. Uh, We moved into this two-bedroom apartment. It was awesome. We could stay out as late as we wanted to. Um, But when when Andrew came to visit, we were dating. She was living in Kentucky at the time. I just remember this very distinctly. She walked into the house, and she stopped cold right when she got into the living room. And she started looking around. <laughs> and I'm like, are you going to come in? And she's like, uh, yes. <laughs> but she's looking around, and I'm like, you know, and I, she didn't tell me at the time, but, you know, as, as we started dating more and got engaged, I was like, what? What, was, what freaked you out there? She's like, well, Lucas, there was an inch of dust on the top of your fan. <laughs> and it was going around, and the dust was just poof, poof, poof. And then I went to the bathroom, and there was mold all over your shower curtain. And then I went to your kitchen, and there was dirty dishes all over the place. And I realized, oh, man, if I'm getting married, I have to change. <laughs> like, my mom's not going to fold my laundry anymore. You know, if I leave, if I leave my dirty uh, cereal bowl on the kitchen counter, it's not just going to magically disappear. Have you guys ever seen that commercial with the, the guy and his wife, and his wife is getting mad that uh, he's leaving out all the dirty stuff? And he says, no, it's a miracle. If you leave your dirty dish right here on this table, by the end of the day, it disappears. <laughs> She's like, no, I take care of that. But I had to, I had to change. I had to actually grow up, right? Uh, I couldn't live with my parents anymore. Uh, I couldn't leave my dirty socks on the floor anymore. Uh, I couldn't leave my dirty dishes on the counter anymore. I actually had to grow up. And All of us go through these times in our lives where we're forced to mature. Uh, We're forced to get older. (laughs) We're forced to grow 
and to change. And as we come to this passage here this morning, we see that Mary is struggling with change. Uh, Who is Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene was a faithful disciple of Jesus. She had walked with this man for three years. You know, we have to, re- uh, you know, we have to remember that Jesus didn't ha- just have the 12 disciples. He had different pockets of family. And Lazarus was like a brother to him, and Mary Magdalene was Lazarus' brother. And she traveled with him, and she followed him, and she learned from him. And as we come to this passage, not only has Mary lost this man that she loved to this brutal death, and she was there at the foot of the cross. All of the other disciples had fled. She was there, she watched him die. Not only did she have to watch him die, but as she finds that Jesus is alive, Jesus says this piercing phrase to her. In verse 17, he says, do not cling to me. And it's not that Jesus is being mean or like, oh Mary, you're being too clingy. (laughs) It's that the resurrection brings a change in Mary's life that she can no longer cling to the old life that she has, and she has to walk into this new reality that Jesus has created through his death and resurrection. And so what Jesus is saying to Mary is, you can't cling to the past, and you have to change. You have to mature. You have to grow. And this is what John is trying to teach us in this passage, that the cross and the resurrection was a massive interruption in the history of this world. And it brought about death and resurrection for all of us. And it forces us to leave our old lives behind and to change and to follow Jesus into this new life that he's created for us. So that's what this passage is about. Now what I want to do is I want to uh, just walk through uh, Mary's struggle. And I want to cover three different points this morning. First of all, I I want to uh, nail down just exactly what Mary's struggle is. Um, I've already hinted at, but just sort of uh, look, look at her struggle. Then I want to look at Jesus' challenge to Mary to embrace the change, and then I want to look at uh, how, she, how she embraces the change that the resurrection brings. All right, so challenge, or sorry, struggle, challenge, and then change. That's what I want to look at here. So let's get and uh, look at the, the first point here, which is Mary's struggle. And uh, what I want to concentrate on uh, in this first point is how Mary reacts to the empty tomb. Uh, especially in contrast to the way that Peter and John react. Uh, We're told in verse 1 that Mary uh, gets up uh, right at the uh, the beginning of the day, even when it's still dark, and she's going to the tomb. Presumably she's going there to dress uh, his body with spices. And what she expects to find is Roman soldiers guarding this this sealed-up tomb. Instead, what she finds is the tomb is empty, uh, the, the, the stone is rolled, the tomb is empty, there's no Roman soldiers. And so she panics and she goes and gets uh, Peter and John. And uh, so let's go ahead and read here in verses uh, 6 through 10. I just want to look at how uh, Peter and John react in contrast to Mary and why she reacts that way. So verse 6 says this. So they're running up to the tomb. Uh, then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. Okay, so uh, 
how do Peter and John react? Well, they surmise, they reach a logical conclusion based on everything that Jesus had told them, that he had risen from the dead. And especially what they concentrate on is the linen cloths. Now, what are the linen cloths? Well, they're like big band-aids, okay? So if you guys remember having, uh, and this is, this is not the waterproof non-stick band-aids. This is the stick band-aids. So if you guys ever remember uh, when your kid put in that, those really heavy band-aids on, and you wait a week and you pull it off, what, what ends up happening? It pulls off the scab, right? Well, what they see is they see these linen cloths folded and lying there. Uh, and what they surmise, rightly, is that Jesus had, in fact, resurrected. If Jesus had just sort of fainted on the cross and had resuscitated, and he would have tried to struggle out of the, out of the bandages, it would have opened up the wounds, the, you know, the bandages would have been strewn across the tomb. And so they rightly, uh, they rightly react by saying, listen, Jesus has risen from the dead. There's no blood, there's no open wounds. He's totally alive. He's risen from the dead. And so... They go back to their homes. But how does, how does Mary react here? Let's look here at verse 11. Mary, uh, and we're presuming that she sees all the same things that the disciples see. But in verse 11, uh, John tells us that Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Okay? And as she's weeping, uh, she stoops to look into the tomb. And in verse 12, she saw two angels sitting there where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Okay. Now that's a really good question. Why are you weeping, Mary? Why would she be weeping if she saw all the same evidence, she heard all of the same teaching? Why wouldn't she conclude Jesus is alive and run back home in joy? And uh, th- this is a question that... Um, you know, as many commentaries as you read, there doesn't seem to be really a, a, a right answer to. Uh, there are some theologians, like, uh, like the reformer John Calvin, he says, you know what, Mary just didn't believe. <laughs> she wasn't a believer. She didn't have enough faith. So she thinks, oh, they stole the body. Okay. Uh, but that's not a good answer. And the reason is because not ten chapters ago, her brother Lazarus dies. And Jesus comes up to her and he says, do you not think that I can raise him from the dead? And she makes this deep, profound profession of faith that, yes, in fact, you can raise him from the dead. And he tells her, I am the life. I am that source of life, and I overcome death. And she says, I believe. And not only that, she was a faithful disciple all throughout the Gospels. Why would she be struggling with belief here? That's not it. Uh, And there are others who say, well, maybe she just didn't see the bandages. Uh, But we are told here in verse 11 that she stooped inside the tomb. She saw the angels on either side of the bandages. So she has all the same evidence and all the same teaching and all the same faith. Why was she weeping? It's a good question. By the end of the passage, when Jesus approaches her, she surmises that maybe his body was stolen. Okay? But um, even that is not very plausible. Why is she weeping? Well, I want to concentrate here on the way that she reacts to the angel's question. The angels are puzzled. They're asking why she's weeping. And her gut reaction, I think, uh, is more reflective of why she's weeping. If you want to look here at verse 13. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord. Why are you weeping, Mary? Because Jesus is gone. Not only is he dead, but now he's gone. 
and I'm weeping and I'm mourning because of his la- the lack of his presence. Because he's not here with me. Um, you know, we've all been through hard times where we grieve and we weep and we say things we don't mean. Oh, maybe the body's been taken away. But I think her gut reaction is this. Not only is Jesus dead, but now he's gone. And this person that I had loved for three years, that my life revolved around, my old life is not only dead, but now it's gone. And I'm mourning and I'm weeping, not simply because he's dead, but now I can't even find him. He's gone. And uh, here's what I would surmise. Perhaps she does believe that the resurrection had taken place. But she knows that once the resurrection happens, she cannot go back to her old life. She's weeping because she misses the life that she once had. She's mourning the loss of her old life, of traveling around with Jesus, of learning at his feet, of being taught. And she has lost her, she's lost her center. She's lost her constancy. And all of us can relate to this. If we go through drastic change, what is the one thing that we miss? We miss the things that make life normal. Right? The things that can make life life. You know, when Andrea and I first got engaged, uh, she had just moved back from the States from Russia. She'd been there for three years. She was a missionary there. And then she moved back to Kentucky. And then when we got engaged, uh, she decided to move down to this awful, awful place called Houston, Texas, uh, to live with me there, and it's hot, it's humid, people are rude there. People are nice in Batesville, they're not nice in Houston. And her very first week there, it was so hot, she saw a car spontaneously combust, just in flames on the highway. And reasonably, you know, she was going through culture shock. And she had lost her sense of constancy, she had lost you know, her center. And so one thing that she decided to do, to be able to adjust to the change that she was going through, she found this person who spoke Russian. And she met uh, with this Russian girl for, for an hour on a weekly basis, got coffee, spoke Russian with her. And something as simple as that, it helped her to adjust to the culture change. It helped her to adjust uh, to this thing that she was going through. Well, Mary has just lost everything. Not only has Jesus died, but now he's gone. And she's lost the life that she once had, and she's mourning the loss of that life. She's mourning the joy that she had in this relationship with Christ. It's just she's, she's mourning. All right, so that's, that's, uh, that's her struggle. She is mourning the loss of the life that she once had. Uh, but now let's move on here to our second point, which is Jesus' challenge. Jesus approaches her, and he challenges her to uh, embrace this change that the resurrection brings. Now, uh, before we jump into this point, though, I, I do want to give, just give a little bit of context. You know, the Jewish teaching about the Messiah uh, found in Daniel was that once the Messiah had risen from the dead— it says in Daniel that he'd be killed at the hands of uh, his enemies and he would rise from the dead. Once he rose from the dead, he would be raised in glory and seated on high. So what all of the, uh, these, these uh, Jewish uh, believers, what they supposed was that once the Messiah had raised from the dead, he'd be gone. And it's very possible that Mary knew this, that she said, oh, he's risen from the dead, he's gone. Okay? But Jesus is not completely gone. And he approaches uh, Mary to, uh, to speak to her. And uh, let's, let's go ahead and, and uh, look here at verse 14. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, 
Tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Okay. Um, what's going on here? Well, I want to look at two things that are, uh, two, two parts in this passage that are important for us to understand what's going on. As, as I said, it was Jewish belief that once the Messiah rose from the dead, he'd be enthroned on high. And so Mary supposed that he was gone. When Jesus approaches her, she turns around and sees Jesus. And what she thinks is that her old friend was back and that her old life was back. And she exclaims, Rabbi. Now, that's a really important word for us uh, to, to focus on. John focuses on it. He says it means teacher. And that's what Jesus would have been called before he died because he was. He was a traveling rabbi. In fact, there were times when he would have even gone into the synagogue and he would have opened up the scrolls and there was one time where he taught from Isaiah. People knew him as rabbi. And when Mary sees Jesus, she says, I have my old rabbi back. And Jesus says, no. (laughs) You don't have your old rabbi back. Because once Jesus has risen from the dead, he's no longer rabbi. Uh, He's no longer teacher. He is Lord. He is the one who has overcome. He is the one who has become victorious over his enemies. The powers of the age tried to put him to death, but he rose again in defeat of death. And now he is Lord. He's no longer traveling rabbi. And that's why Jesus says, Mary, don't cling to me. What he doesn't mean is, Mary, you're so clingy. (laughs) No, he means, Mary, I am no longer rabbi. That's not who I am. I am now risen Lord. And you can't go back to your old life, Mary, because I am about to ascend to the Father. I am about to raise in glory and be seated on high. I am about to be enthroned as Messianic King. And you cannot go back to your old life. In other words, Jesus is saying, Mary, my resurrection changes everything. My resurrection changes everything. It means your old life as we know it is gone. And it means the the life of the world as we know it has changed. Now I just want to ask, you know, how does the resurrection change in everything? Why can't Mary cling to Christ? Why can't she just go back to her old life? I just want to surmise here, what is the difference between the resurrection of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus? Lazarus was dead. You know, we're told in uh, John that Lazarus was dead for four days. And Jesus waited four days to go to Lazarus' tomb, and then he raised him from the dead. Right? What's the difference between the two? Well, when Lazarus rose from the dead, he rose back into his old body. Uh, back into his life of struggling with sin. Back into a body that would get older and die again. Right? Lazarus died twice. In fact, we're told in John that right after Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, the Pharisees are like, how can we kill this guy again? <laughs> right? Lazarus rose to die again. Lazarus got his old life back. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he died leaving sin and death and evil and the world as we know it in the grave. He rose never to die again. Because what was going on on the cross? On the cross, Jesus was swallowing all of the evil 
and all of the sin and all of the death and all of the wrath of the world, he swallowed it into himself. He brought it down into the grave. When he rose, he left the old world in the grave. And he rose again to a new world. And he says, Mary, your old life has died. Okay. Now, what's, what's uh, super interesting in this passage is that John makes sure that we understand that Mary thought that Jesus was a gardener. Now, that could be an accidental uh, detail, but it could be really important. Because I just want you to think, where did Adam sin? Right? In a garden. What did God task Adam of doing, the very first human being, being a gardener? Right? Where did Adam die? At a tree. Okay? What John is trying to tell us is that when Jesus comes out of the grave, he does come out as a new gardener a new Adam, into a new creation, and he leaves the entire old world behind. And he says, Mary, you can't have your old life back. You must follow me into the reality of the resurrection. And this is what Paul says about when when you become a believer, you die with Christ and you raise with him. Your old life, the life that you once knew, is gone. And you know this, like when you first became a Christian. The things that you used to do had to go away. They had to change. Your old habits, your old sins, uh, the old ways of life that revolved around all these different things. Now they have to center around Christ. And this is what Jesus is telling Mary. Your old life is dead. If anyone is in Christ, behold, a new creation. And so he says, Mary, you can't cling to me. And that means that we, we can't cling to our past. We can't cling to our old sins. You know, some of you might know I I used to be a drug addict. Struggled with cocaine for a number of years. And when I came to Christ, I knew that there were certain patterns and certain ways of living certain things I couldn't be around, certain shows I couldn't even watch because uh, it would cause, you know, it just caused me to think about the past. I had to leave my old life behind. I had to change. And as Christians, we are new creations. We have died with Christ and we, has ri- we have risen with Him. And like Mary, Jesus says, don't cling. Don't look back. You must embrace the reality of the resurrection. So this is Jesus' challenge to Mary. Don't look back. Don't cling to me. All right, now as we go to our third point, I just want to read uh, through verses 17 through 18. And look at how Mary embraces the change that the resurrection brings. Okay? So verse 17 says this. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I have ascending to my Father, and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had uh, said these things to her. Who was the very first apostle? Like, was it Peter? Was it John? The very first apostle is Mary. Mary Magdalene. And this is a big deal. Uh, Not least of all because she was a woman. This would have scandalized them. But it's a big deal Because she is the first one to announce 
and to represent the reality of the resurrection. She had followed around Jesus for the last three years, and Jesus said to her, he said, I am the sent one of the Father. I am the one who has been sent into this world to announce and to reveal the reality of God's love for the world. And that's what she had been used to, to following Jesus around, to sitting at his feet, to learning uh, his teaching. And now what Jesus does is he says, I have been sent, but I'm going back. And now, Mary, there's no more following. There's no more sitting. There's no more learning. There's no more being taught. Now you are going to be sent. Now I am transforming you to become an apostle, to become a sent one, to become a Christ bearer into this world. You see, there's, there's, a, there's this change that's going on here. Mary had followed around the sent one, the one who was the apostle of the Father. And now Jesus is sending her into the world as a sent one. He is transforming her. And he's saying, listen, the old life of you following me around and listening is gone. And now I'm sending you out into the world to teach and to reveal the love of God. No longer do you observe me, but now you are being transformed into someone who is like me. Right? Mary is embracing this change of the resurrection. What is that change? Transformation. A transformation from looking at Jesus Christ to becoming like Jesus Christ. From observing Jesus Christ to believing and to being transformed into his image and to being a Christ bearer into the world. This is the reality that Jesus calls us into. Now that I have risen from the dead, now you be transformed into the same image and now you be sent and now you leave your old life behind and go into this world and reveal the love of God to this world. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for uh, the resurrection. Uh, that the world has been changed as we know it. Uh, our old lives have been left in the grave. Our old sins have been left in the grave. Our old habits have been left in the grave. Our whole world has been crucified with Christ. And now Jesus invites us into a life of transformation. Uh, into a life of being sent by him. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to embrace the reality that uh, that brings. And uh, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>